Hey Logo Geeks, it's Ian Paget here and I'm back with another podcast that's created to help you make a living designing logos. Today we're going to be joined by Dave Clayton to discuss friendships that create opportunities. But before we dive into that, I want to quickly give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode, who is The Perfect Match. One exercise that a lot of logo designers do prior to working on a logo or brand identity is to create a mood board or stylescape. And when creating this, we're usually translating words and phrases into visuals. So I'm expecting a lot of people listening to this to create mood boards almost day to day. But how good are you at doing that, at translating those words into visuals. And that's where the perfect match comes in, which is a creative challenge from Adobe that will test your mood boarding skills. So by simply entering the perfect match, they will actually gift you with a $50 voucher. So it's totally worth 30 minutes of your time to get that. But if your mood board design is really good and communicates clearly, you could become a contestant on Adobe's monthly live game show for a chance to win $1,000. So if you want to enter and to learn more about this, go and grab a brief from theperfectmatch.co forward slash play and then create your mood board following the rules provided. And as a reminder, you will get $50 just for entering. So it's win-win every time. Again, to check that out and to enter, head to theperfectmatch.co forward slash play. So moving on to this week's episode, something I used to get told by my dad as a kid was, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And as I've grown older, and my dad is sadly no longer around, uh, today's interview made me think of him. And I would actually say the bulk of what I've done with Logo Geek, this podcast in particular, has actually been thanks to who I've known, you know, those friendships and relationships I built through my career. And although it wasn't intentional, a lot of those friendships have opened up doors to opportunities. And a lot of those opportunities have actually improved my business. And I probably wouldn't be here where I am now if it wasn't for the friendships and relationships I've built along the way. One example, early in my Logo Geek journey, I made friends with a guy called Preston Lee, who's the founder of Milo. We ended up both finding out that we both were running side projects and he ended up inviting me to be a co-host on a podcast idea that he had called Side Gig where we spoke about running a side project on the uh, you know on the side of a full-time job and that was a lot of fun but it gave me the confidence to start a show of 
my own. And the more I've made friends in this industry, the more opportunities that have come my way. And I feel without a lot of those opportunities, like I said, I don't think I would be where I am now. And I would actually go as far as saying that building friendships and building relationships and networking is absolutely paramount to your success at making a living designing logos. Not just finding clients, but finding opportunities that can grow and improve your business. And that's why I wanted to bring someone on who I believe is a real master at building true long-term friendships. Dave Clayton, who's this week's guest, is someone I've known for a long time. He's someone that I just feel, I feel like he knows everybody. And, you know, his real superpower, if you could have a single superpower, is quite honestly, making friends. Now, I knew him when he used to work for Astute Graphics. He um, no longer uh, works there now, but what he does now is teaching and he's very good at teaching uh, graphic design related stuff. He hosts his own podcast called He Shoots, He Draws, and he's also the author of the book, How Do I Do That in InDesign? He's somebody that really, he knows a lot about InDesign. And since he has a podcast and I have a podcast, he's on my show this week and I'm going to be on his show in a couple of weeks time. So we have a long chat in this. I have a long chat on, you know, he, I ask him quite questions. He asked me questions on his. So, you know, after you've listened to this in a couple of weeks time, go and check that out. I would add, this is a really long interview. It's probably one of the longest that I've done. Um, I, I did consider maybe editing it down, but I kept thinking, no, that needs to stay. And uh, yeah, I've left the whole thing in. Um, it was a lot of fun catching up with Dave. So I, I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did and find it useful. So let's get into this. Here is the interview with Dave Clayton. Okay, so Dave, as we just said, it feels like we've known each other for ages. And from my point of view, there's so many questions that I want to ask. But I think something that really has come across with you from the outset is that you are one of those people in the graphic design industry that seems very likable. Everybody seems to know you. And um, I, I find that amazing. And I hope that people listening to this that aren't familiar with you, go and find out more about you, go and say hi and, you know, just, just get to know you. Cause I think that you're someone in the industry that's worth getting to know. Oh, so I think you. as, <laughs> I think as a, as a, an opening question, and I've got so many different questions. So it's, it was a really hard interview to um, structure, but I, I think we should start with this. Cause I think your superpower is networking and, friendships building relationships with people yeah and i i think for graphic designers who are building their own business or looking for work or anything like this networking is so important so i'd love to start there really is what are your general thoughts on or, or what is your approach or mindset for networking it, 
it's funny because as a kid, um, like I, I defy my personality defies the logic of who I was because as a kid, I was, um, I got a younger brother and an older brother. My older brother is 11 years older. So you're the middle child. I'm the middle child. (laughs) And so having a brother 11 years older than you is quite a big thing. Cause when I'm, you know, like five years old and I can kind of remember life, I've got a 16 year old brother, but I've, my, my younger brother is, um, about two and a half years younger than me so growing up he was kind of the small slim sporty and I was the little chubby gingerhead kid so and the thing is is I come from a time where people would tell you like these days you're not allowed to say any of that stuff but I was constantly reminded that I was short yeah I was chubby and ginger it's it's just like um a thing I don't like people to do I don't like people to um kind of turn someone into what they look like yeah and ignore and ignore who they are um but yeah so growing up i was very very shy introvert my brother was quite extrovert my you know my younger brother would make a load of friends and you know climb up trees and do all that kind of stuff where i was quite kind of like keep myself to myself you know, i never took my t-shirt off at the beat if you look at pictures of me when i was a kid four five six seven years old t-shirt on at the seaside so i should have grown up to be this massive introvert keeping away from people and then i don't have to deal with stuff but my dad who sadly passed away a few years ago is the extrovert he dad was the uh, kind of the key, like the key person in the family, like the extended family, and watching my dad make friends and never seeing I, I, in my whole life, I've never seen anybody say anything horrible about my dad. Um, that I think part of that part of his genes kind of w- was hidden inside me, and it took a long, long time, and it wasn't really until I was in my thirties where you know i was i was going about my business i got married and worked and never hadn't really had the confidence to pursue something i probably you know i know i know i loved from early on but it was just a case of get a job go through life do stuff mm-hmm. and it wasn't until my 30s where kind of my confidence developed a little bit more and all of a sudden i sort of felt braver and and bizarrely people like when i was younger people like chris evans who was on the radio ginger hair weird looking guy um i used to listen to his radio show and when i saw him on telly and a really good friend of mine who introduced me to my wife mike he's you know he's got he's he's not slim but he's not enormous he's not a big fat guy but he's kind of short he's got ginger hair he's he's kind of chubby and he's got all the confidence in the world and I was looking at these people around me and thinking what am I worried about why why do I need to be this kind of weird introvert that doesn't you know goes to a party and I'm not just the wallpaper I'm the lining under the wallpaper I can hide so when I kind of hit my purple patch of being in the design industry coming into it quite late I soon realized that stuff's only going to happen because of people and I just like being around people I like being friendly I like um, even at uh, senior school one of my kind of 
safety factors of not getting my head kicked in or bullied was I used to do impressions of comedians. <laughs> and um, for those of you old enough and in England to know Frank Spencer, I could, <laughs> I could do a mean Frank Spencer. And I kind of used that humour mechanism to develop friendships and just be nice around people, you know. But when you're ginger, you don't want to be beaten up. Um, so you kind of use your... Use your uh, personality to help you get out of it so I think part of that was eager to please and and be liked prevented me from feeling bad because when someone is negative towards me or or mean to me it really hurts it sits well under my skin it, it burrows deep inside me and that and I keep away from those is people. that still the case now yeah Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, I'm I'm not gonna share this story online, but I I'll tell you a brief overview of it. it was I I was very supportive of somebody and uh I met them and all fine and afterwards they were just really shitty. They said a really shitty thing and it uh it it hurt and, and it was just like no, I'm not doing this. I'm not supporting. I'm not supporting people who are mean. I want to be around good people, encouraging, sharing, helping each other. Um, and as corny as that sounds, I, I mean, I pride my purple patch. I won't say success, but I, I, I pride my current situation on the people around me and the people I've met and followed and. Um, like yourself, you know, in the design industry, you kind of roll your sleeves up and get in and look around and go, right, who's who's doing the stuff here? Logo <laughs> Geek comes up straight away. So I'm looking at your content. It's like, wow, it's, you know, listening to your stuff and then you start to find other people and it kind of develops links. You, you know, I look at you, I see a guest you've interviewed, never heard of them, I go and look at them and I'm lucky enough I meet them at an event. It's a rabbit hole. <laughs> it is and it, it, it just builds and builds and builds and you've you just find yourself being more comfortable around those kinds of people because in the design world, they're our people. We all love the same thing. So we've automatically got something to talk about. So you go somewhere like Adobe Max that's seven to 13,000 people, um, they all love what you love. It's mm-hmm. a bit like Comic-Con. <laughs> you know, it's you're when you're around your people, it's a much happier place. But I'm you know, get me to stand up and talk in front of my family, not happening. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> and yet weirdly I can stand on stage and talk about InDesign. So um, I think um, kind of the networking thing is, all right, we've gone through a pandemic. We've gone through a period of time of being near nobody and keeping away from people. But I would say if you get the opportunity to go to a small networking event, a small design event, like the Birmingham Design Festival is a good place, mm-hmm. um, go just go along. Even if it costs you a few quid, go along and kind of look around and, you know, go on social media and say you're going to be there and look and see who else is going to be there. And I guarantee you will meet one person. If it's just one person, you'll strike up a conversation and yeah, it could just be, you know, you just have the same thing in common. You might both love books or or a particular designer or something. The other thing as well, it's that of you don't that it's not that that saying of it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's it's who they know. Because I've had so many things come my way because of a friend of a friend. And I had I not 
started that conversation, it wouldn't have, have come. And I can't remember who it was. I think it was, it'll, it'll come to me. I remember someone telling a story about someone saying, oh, God, you're so lucky. Um, you know, oh, you've got that gig at so-and-so. You're so lucky. And it was, no, I'm not lucky, but I I took the effort to go to an event. And at that event, I walked into a room of people and I made the effort to go up and speak to somebody who I didn't know and got a conversation started. And it turned out that they were really good friends with somebody quite high up at another company that were looking for something that I did. And they introduced me and I made a good first impression, which is very important. And I ended up getting a gig. How am I lucky? I'm not lucky because I had to put in all that effort and work. You you created your own luck. It was. It was chance. And mm. it was you have to work on you have to work on your luck. It, I didn't just walk in a room and someone walked up to me and go, You look like the kind of guy I could give this massive opportunity to. It doesn't happen. In the same way that the old, oh yeah, I'm gonna sit and wait for the phone to ring. Phone's not gonna ring. You've got to you've got to go and make people want to co- communicate with you. So that that phone won't ring you. Sit if you sit waiting for it to come to you, it won't happen. And I t- I just ma- just talking to people and hearing about their hobbies is it, a skill. Like I might meet someone and uh, they hate sport, and I, you know, and I love sport. So you kind of think, oh man, you don't like football, and I don't like rugby. But um, like, tell me about your interests. So what do you do? And they might start talking about some hobby they've got. And I might know nothing about it. So I'll ask them all about their hobby. I'll ask them, oh, you know, why do you love it? How did you get into it? Because one day at an event, I might meet someone else who's into that hobby. And guess what? I know a bit about it. So I can strike up a conversation. And you can you can connect those two people together as exactly. well. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And, and then you kind of, they see you giving a shit about what they love. And and it's like, you can say, oh, I, I don't actually do that, but I've got a friend who told me all about it. I was asking them about it. So it's just those little skills of kind of uh, like a, a Rolodex in your head of what people had. I was a salesman. Um, one of my jobs was I was a salesman, but I hated sales. So I saw myself as like, um, I used to go and visit customers after they'd bought something and go and check in. Say, was everything okay? You know, did you miss anything? How can we help like, get stuff to you quicker next time? And they appreciated that. And I used to keep the old notebook of the guy's name. Yeah, where'd he been on holiday? If he mentioned his hobbies, his football team, his family. And then when I'd go back out, sometimes I wouldn't even need to refer to the book, but you walk in and you kind of, how are you doing? Did you have a great holiday? Oh, how did that thing go? It just really opens people up and um, you then they, they're comfortable around you. And I've always said, I, I never want to be the person that when you walk through the door, everyone's eyes in the room roll into the back of their head. It might happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if it does, you know, I apologize to anyone I make feel like that. But, but I kind of hope that if I'm, if I'm somewhere and I'm in a room, I can be part of a conversation and connect people. And, and like you said, oh, that guy over there loves that. And this person over here loves that. Let me introduce you because a warm introduction is obviously more helpful because, you know, if I introduced you to, I don't know, say you, say you'd never met Ian Barnard and I, we're in an event and I'm like, oh, you've got to meet Ian. Um, I'll introduce you to Ian. 
Ian's going to trust you because he trusts me. Well, at least I hope he does. He's probably if he's listening. He's <laughs> oh, absolutely. His eyes are rolling I, to the back. I, of his... I know him more. I know him already thanks to uh, doing a podcast together. Right. But yeah. It, it, I I totally get that. You know, when you get that warm introduction, when somebody introduces you, it's a good thing. You know, I want to. I want to just say you actually made me think of how I met one of my really good friends. Yeah. Um. So I joined up to this thing that Google did. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but um, basically they created this hub in London and it was a bit like like a net networking thing. And there was this okay. guy who, like this really techie IT guy, he, he basically, I don't know how he did it, hacked their website and extracted all of the data and sorted it and worked out where everyone were, were, were from and oh. basically contact, contacted every, everyone uh, in Reading, which is where I used to live. And he obviously went yeah. through, contacted each person, wanted to meet up and, and all that sort of stuff. And it, it was really cool. Um, he was a bit odd, but it was, it was cool to meet him and, and have a conversation. But after that, he actually said to me, I met this guy the other day that I think you would get on really well with. And he yeah. connected us and we, we did, you know, we, we are still good friends here today. Like, I don't know how long ago that was 10 years ago more. And yeah. we, we still talk a lot. We still hang out. And, um, you know, if, if I hadn't signed up to that event thing, then that would have never have happened. So I think, you know, this, this, this whole idea of things aren't going to happen unless you actually make that step. So, you know, yeah, you, you can't be lucky unless you actually make an effort. And a, spo- a spoonful of my favourite words, serendipity, mm-hmm. <laughs> is you know, it's it's when, all, like, all the stars align, and and then a really cool thing comes of it as well. Just so happens, like you were both at the same place, you were both available, you both kind of it was a perfect it's like moment. This conversation to meet or... now <laughs> with us, yeah. <laughs> You know, we, we met, I don't even know how we met, but we met online in some way, <laughs> probably through mutual yeah, friends think, or Facebook communities. I think I did. My usual thing is um, I just did a talk at Creative South with Diane Gibbs. And and this was what it was about. It was about the superpower thing. And one of the things I said was, um, if you find something you like and you get value from it, contact that person and tell them. Because... We sit here, like you and I both do a podcast, we sit here and I did a competition, uh, giving away a couple of t-shirts over two episodes. And I said, all you have to do to win the t-shirt is email me. And over two episodes, um, over a period of one month, we didn't have one email. <laughs> and yet the, the episodes were both in like the seven, eight hundreds of downloads and not one person emailed. So it was like, it was quite, quite like, I can't even give away a free t-shirt. I'm doing a nice thing. So, so I said that if, if you listen to a podcast, leave a review, if you love what they do, or it's a particular episode that resonates, contact them and say, Hey, I really loved it. Um, because I think in the beginning, that's kind of what I did with you. I, d- I came across your podcast. I think somewhere along the line, I messaged you and said, love what you're doing. Great guests. Um, you know, it's brilliant, brilliant work. You're so well-respected, that kind of thing. And I just had a guy called James Barnard um, as a guest, and he was a graphic designer. He's English. I just saw him on TikTok one day, and I loved his content. 
and I started following him and watching him and I, I just contacted him and said, Hey, look, I, I love, I love your ethos. I love the advice you're giving. It's been really useful. I've, I've actually learned some stuff from you and yeah, you know, I appreciate the time and effort you're putting into your TikTok feed because I'm sure it takes a lot of time out of your business to maintain. And we ended up having a Skype chat, got on really well, had him as a guest on the podcast. He then, uh, not not on the back of me, but because of what he's been doing, he did a talk. He's turned that talk into um, an online class, which is all about developing social media. Had I not contacted him, I wouldn't have got to know him. I, you know, I can now refer him. And I just think it's a nice thing and it's a lost art that we need to communicate more mm-hmm. and and tell the people that we learn from or, or get quality. You know, we all spend a lot of time on our phones, let's be honest. And we're, and we're being entertained by people. And I think if you were at a theatre, you'd applaud. You know, if you were at a concert, you'd be dancing and letting them know that, you know, go, woo. So I think online we still need to do a similar kind of thing. Obviously not not um because English don't do that. We just applaud and, and and give a nice smile. But I think that's part of part of one of my things I did was I do that a lot. I, I agree with you. And, Sorry to interrupt. No, I no, I think this is really important actually that people are aware of this that that consume content. That the individual like me. I basically live on my home, my own with my cat and I spend my time having these conversations. I sit down, editing it, do loads of work to put it out there. And it's quite well, very often that you don't really get any comments or anything. Like you literally put no. it out and you hear nothing. <laughs> yeah, you can see the download stats. So you know that people are downloading it, they're listening to it. But sometimes you just don't hear anything. So when you do actually get an email, it's so nice. And people tend to think, oh, you must get thousands of yeah. emails. It's like, no, this is the first email I've had no. from anyone and like <laughs> in a few weeks. And it's just it's it's nice and it's it's really appreciated and and uh valued. And y- yeah. you know, I I think one of the reasons why people don't try and get your t-shirt giveaway is how they're consuming the content. So generally they're on the move they might be in their car out on a run or something Mm. like this they're just going about their day and it's inconvenient for them to stop and Mm. and write it down so people people don't realize that that maybe nobody (laughs) messages an ask and that's probably (laughs) common that's probably normal that so many people put out content thousands of people consume it but nobody ever yes. lets them know. I really enjoyed that, and um... and who cares about followers as well? It's like I, I could, I honestly could not tell you how many followers I have on my combined social media because it's not a metric that is important to me. The metric that's important to me is the amount of DMs and the amount of interaction I have with with people so I could have a million followers and I know people get quite hung up on TikTok and Instagram about how many followers but what's the point if no one can if no one interacts mm-hmm. with you I well so what I can I can stand in the middle of Oxford Circus on a Saturday afternoon um pre-covid when there was probably you know a million people passing through on a Saturday with a loud hailer and I could stand and just say stuff in the middle of the street and I could say, oh, yeah, I once spoke in front of a million people. But nobody would, would have come up to me and asked me, well, oh, why did you say that? Why did you do that? So what is the point in 
in kind of living, hanging your hat on a following where I'd rather have a hundred followers uh, and like a hundred people that communicate with me because there's more value to me from that. I don't, I don't, it's like saying you've got a million followers, 2 million followers is I've got to be careful how I, how I word this. It's like, it's like saying you're the world's shortest giant. <laughs> I, I do get it though. Cause you know, people that have social media now or rather since it came out and it's still young, you know, like yeah. when, when I was a teenager, none of this stuff existed. I mean, I think my no. space, did but then he my space friends reunited. But even then that didn't have a, like a follower metric but now no twitter twitter is probably the first one and then instagram yeah that that met that that's a metric and you do look at that and it's hard not to look at that and, and hard not to measure your success based on how many people are following you liking you retweeting you all this sort of stuff so i've you know yeah. i've been that person that said i've got x number of followers because that's what these yeah. platforms encourage you to do. But the the real important thing is the conversations you have, is the one-on-one, yeah. is is all of the other stuff that you, you've already mentioned. And um, yeah. it, it's just unfortunate that most of these platforms kind of, if you have more followers, you get more out of it. I don't know. It makes you feel yeah, that. I mean, for, for Logo Geek... Absolutely. If you if Logo Geek had a million followers, that's great for you. It's a social metric. Means, I can tell it's, it's yeah, and you can get sponsorship. Uh huh. Exactly. So there is something to be gained from it, but in terms of of um, like personal development and personal wealth of of interaction, then I think it's it's a weird metric. So you know because you want to develop, you want people to see your content and you want it to be, um, you want to know that if a million people are following you, then hopefully a subject to algorithm, uh, a million people are sit, at least the content is passing through their thumb for a few milliseconds and hopefully something might make them stop, mm-hmm. read it and then continue scrolling. But, but when people like, don't interact, don't go to an event, don't do anything like that, but kind of say, I've got all these followers. It's like, it just feels, oh, you're missing out. You're missing out because you probably don't know any of those well, people. Yeah, I mean, it's the value of those of those followers, really. And and just yeah. to you know bring it back to networking and getting clients and 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 building relationships that have value. Yeah, just building up a following on social media doesn't really do anything for that. So I've got I've got my Twitter account. It's got like nearly a hundred thousand followers. Wow. How valuable is that really in terms of getting clients? Not that valuable really. I mean, it's useful for, um, it's useful in, in some aspects, but in terms of actually getting clients, can I easily get clients from that huge pool of people? Not that easily. It's an ingredient. I mean, it's one, it's, it's an one part of that, yeah. but what's, what's most valuable is those one-on-one interactions is those people yes. that ca- that that can know, like, and trust you, and you know, when it comes around to getting referrals and um, you know all that sort of stuff, that's the real. You know, if if you got if you got a hundred followers, but you know all of them, 
properly one-on-one and they know exactly what you do and all this yes. sort of stuff that pool of a hundred people is so much more valuable than a hundred thousand people that you don't know <laughs> exactly and for photo- i know in photography because a lot of my friends in photography it's, it's a big part of my like i say my 12 i, I say it's a 12 year successful period for me the last 12 years and I would say to photographers, why do you want other photographers to follow you on social media? Because they're not going to hire you because they're already photographers. So you having a thousand followers on Facebook and nearly all of those are photographers that you've met, you're not going to get any business because they're all doing what you do. Now, the, the flip side of that is one thing I like to do and I, I, often say and and I can't claim credit for this because I know other people have said it before is I get offered work sometimes you know I'm a dad I work full-time I've always worked full-time I've got four children time is precious so I decide now the things I want to do and what I don't want to do and and I stepped away from day-to-day design more and back in the day and i'm sure you've done it you say yes to everything that comes through Mm -hmm. the door before you before you even know how much you're going to earn from it yes i can do that yes i can do that yes i can do that and then all of a sudden you find 50 percent don't want to pay 25 percent can hardly pay and 25 percent might pay eventually so what i find now is because i've developed a, a network is i'd much rather say hey look like ian i can't take on that logo project for you but I know a guy who could do you a stellar job and and deliver it in the time frame you want it as well. And I think you'll be really satisfied. So two things happen now. The guy that I've referred appreciates what I've done. And the client who came to me appreciates my honesty that they're not going to not come back to me again because they'll come back to me and be like, can you do this? Or if not, do you know somebody who could? So I'm still of value. Mm -hmm. And whilst I might not make direct revenue from that, it will come back around. It will work its, it will work its way around to me through another way, because the guy that I've referred to may get asked, Oh, do you want to come speak at an event? I'm not really good with people, but I know a guy who does it quite a lot. Let me put you in touch with him. So the reciprocal, reciprocality I, <laughs> I know what you mean reciprocation uh-huh. reciprocation is there it's just you have to do the things to kind of get those plates spinning so i i i agree that, with that because every, every person that i speak to on the phone whether they have the budget or not i try to help them so mm. usually i have a conversation where i understand where they are with things i'll talk through how i work and then we move on to like price and all that sort of stuff. If price mm. is an issue, I will point them in the right direction. Yeah. And that's actually worked to my favor because there's been a couple of clients that had a very low budget and yeah. they've then come back to me and said, I found your, your advice so helpful that I've looked into my budget again I didn't realize how much this type of thing costs and I would like to go ahead mm. with you. And they might have yes. come in with just originally with like a 50 pound 
budget you know <laughs> like, you know that and that's understandable with something like a logo if you've never had one done before because you just don't know what's involved but once they understand what's involved and they can see that you uh, can actually help them then that's a good thing but then there's the other side like you said um you know where if they've found you to be really helpful then they still could come back to you and also the person that you've passed that work over to you they might pass that something over to you too and that that's happened uh, yeah. with with me and a, a a couple of people that i found that are say very good at web design like i I mean, I've got time to do web design now, but when I had a full-time job and I was doing the logo geek stuff on the side, I didn't have time for it. So I used to pass it over to a guy that I know that's great at building uh, WordPress websites. And, um, you know, we we do the occasional back and forth uh, project, like he'll pass stuff over to me, I'll pass stuff over to him. And that's been simply yeah. the back of me saying, this guy is really good. Um, I'll pass it to him and you can build up relationships with these people where you get a percentage yep I had when I did my website um, I used to do websites it was good money um, but it's a never-ending job because websites never ever websites don't have a mm-hmm. full stop <laughs> they, they never ever never end and um, it was something I didn't want to do anymore and I was still getting a lot offer of oh can you do a website I'm like, no I can't but I know people who can and uh, again, I saw someone on Instagram. I love their work. I got in touch with them. I had them as uh, on the podcast. I knew they'd struggled a bit financially um, with some problems they had where they were and the pandemic hit them. And when I came around to doing my website, I thought I could do it, but I haven't got time to do it and I need to do it. And I contacted them and said, look, I- I've done all right lately. I've d- I had some training gigs, but I need my website to support it. I just need somebody to kind of set up the backbone so that I can add content, gave them the work. And then two of my friends, uh, I, I told and said, I've just, this is what I've just done. So they were like, Oh, who did you use? So I put those two people in touch with them and they got three clients from one. I was really pleased with what they did, but I wanted to give money to somebody I knew and now we've got this really cool relationship where I can refer them for things and, you know if that kind of work came over i'd pass it to them because i know it's a speciality that's the power of networking it's, it's, <laughs> it's exactly it it's and i love it i love it now absolutely okay i want to move on to a different topic yeah okay so something that you are really good at and and that is your focus now i believe and you can you can correct me if i'm wrong is that you yeah. are focused on sharing everything that you've learned basically so teaching and and um uh you know you've gone down more of that route rather than um graphic design now yeah what have you found the benefit is of of teaching and do do you think that when when do you think is a good time to start teaching (laughs) um it can't happen by accident um because it's one of those things I, i i remember you know when you're at school and you do an exam and you you put your you know you cover your work up with your mm-hmm. arm because you don't want anyone's copy and then in the industry the industry was like that at one point no one was going to share secrets no one was going to tell you what the the next step the next level well, of these prior, things pr- were proprietary property or whatever the word is it's yeah it was like i'm protecting what i can't got. see yeah <laughs> 
I don't want you to know how I get business because I might lose that business. Some people still think that way, but thankfully it's yeah, a different there, it's there basically are. a different situation now. <laughs> but go on you go on YouTube and there's a video I show to people where it's a film called World War Z, World War Z. Um and there's this there's this scene where all these zombies run at this wall. I think it's in Jerusalem or something. They're running at this wall and they kind of climbing all over each other, clambering to get to the top. When they get to the top, they all fall over the other side. And that's what YouTube has become now in sharing is everyone's competing to share. It's gone for, you know, full 180. So we've gone from nobody shares to everybody shares. And we all learn, you know, we can we consume that content through LinkedIn Learning and online, you know, Skillshare mm-hmm. and all those platforms, Domestica. And that's how I've learned. Like, I didn't go to university or college. I've learned, I've learned online. I've, you know, I've, there are people I've learned more from that I tend to go to. And then one day I just joined the um, National Association of Photoshop Professionals, the NAPP, which is now called Kelby One. And I just wanted to be better at Photoshop because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pre-computer. Computers are only in half my life. So I wanted to learn. I wanted to use the internet, online content. And I came across this company and I really loved the way they teach. I really loved the way they spoke to you, not condescending, um, just like making you feel like you were in the room with them. And they wouldn't teach you like, oh, you're stupid if you don't know this. So I'm going to show you how good I am. That They would kind of break it down for you. And it just resonated with me, even though it was an American company. And so I joined them and got there, you know, contacted them and said, hey, look, I love what you're doing. I'm in the UK. I want to, you know, I want, I want to get more, more value from, my, from this. What can I do to help? And I became like an evangelist for them and shared their content. And through that, um, I then went to one of their big events in 2010, uh, which is where I credit like my my ground zero is around about August 2009, because that's when I sent the first email. And then like my ground zero is Photoshop World. And I went along and there were all these other attendees and I got to meet these guys that I'd been following online and, and, and they were lovely. They were just really chatty and friendly and, hey, come and have a burger with us, come and have a drink with us. And, you know, you go into the class, they're up on stage doing the class and they'll mention you, like you're sat in the crowd and they mention you. And I really loved that vibe. And then through through that relationship, I kind of got invited to teach now bearing in mind I was when I got asked to teach my first ever event I was 50 years old it was my first public speaking uh, gig as well I I'd like left a job and had to stand up a, in, in a room with my colleagues and say hey thanks for having me I'm moving on um but I don't call that public mm-hmm. speaking so when Scott Kelby said uh you look you love what you do you've you've got knowledge and you seem to want to share it I, i've watched you around people you, you the, the way you are how would you like to have a go at teaching it so it was like yeah if you're gonna go in going hard so it was like yes so i got invited to teach at photoshop world in las vegas that um, sounds really cool <laughs> it does sound really cool <laughs> so i got invited to speak in las vegas it was in the expo hall uh it was to about I think like 50 to 60 people came Was it along. as glamorous as it sounds? Because 
Uh, well, it was in Mandalay Bay, so it. It it's, sounds cool to me. I don't, as, I don't know what it's like there. It, it is. <laughs> it is cool. It is very cool. Yeah, I mean, to 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 say to people, you're going to Las Vegas to to teach. Um, you know, to say you've performed in Las Vegas like Elvis and oh, Frank yeah. Sinatra. It sounds a, impressive. That's what yeah. I put it. <laughs> yeah, but effectively, you're in a hotel, an air conditioned hotel. You could be anywhere. You could be in Birmingham. Um, no offense to Birmingham people, but. <laughs> well, it means you could be in any conference center anywhere in the world. It's an air conditioned room with people who want to learn stuff. So it, like I stood up, I had my, you know, I prepared, I was very nervous, um, but I knew my subject. I was teaching in design, uh, design in InDesign and the projector broke down two thirds of the way through. So the last 20 minutes, the projector stopped working and, and I kind of like had a, <gasps> but having watched all these other people teach and seen how they reacted and see how much they enjoyed it, I kind of like something clicked inside of me and I just used all this knowledge I'd gained and it kind of just came out from like a safety valve. And so it was like, okay, projector's not working. I was not planning that. Um, so just quickly, like who who's here's this is their first photoshop world and you know what made you come and then i spoke to someone else what made you come what have you come to learn and for the 20 minutes i just had a q a with the audience and somebody came up to me afterwards and said cool you can see you've done that a lot and i said this is my first time of public speaking and they were like you're joking seriously you the, the way you handled that last 20 minutes like what you were teaching was great, but the way you handled that last 10, 20 minutes made me think you've done this a hundred times before. And I was, no, no, this was my first time. And that moment was, what am I scared of? This was great. This is great. Sharing all the stuff I've learned with people who want to learn in an environment where they feel really, really comfortable. So the f- went back, I spoke to Scott, thank you very much, got the buzz. The following year, he invited me again. And I, this time I had the big boys room. So like 300 people and I did, got I did, got promoted. I don't <laughs> much stripes and, and I did that and absolutely loved it. It was, you know, preparing something, teaching people, not only teaching people, because I've seen, I've seen people get up on stage and really all they've done is they've just, um, so me, 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 me. Anyway, it's enough about me. Let's talk about me some more. And they're not teaching. They're not really kind of giving anyone any value. They're just basically talking about themselves, bigging themselves up, and, and people are leaving the room going, well, I know a bit more about him, but I didn't learn anything. So for me, it was I want people to come out of this room enjoying the hour, learning one thing, talking about it, sharing it, recommending and you know afterwards when you finish you have a queue of people come up and they want to have the picture taken with you and they want you to sign so yeah it's weird but it's but people like (laughs) have very specific questions like hey i've got this problem so i'll be like okay i think i know the answer to that but it's going to be too long to tell you now so here's my card here's my email address in three days email me because i'm going to be here for that and then when they email me i answer them back i if i help them if i can or just do something to make him feel good and that teaching moment was do you know what i enjoy talking about the process now more than i do making the stuff i do still enjoy making the stuff Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong um but actually being able to 
share i i treat the audience like they're 300 me in the room you know i i want to learn stuff so i want to talk to them in the same way i'd like to be spoken to and i want to share the kind of knowledge that's useful to them rather than show them how good i am at something but way too complicated for them to understand and and where and you can see the faces you can see the light bulb moment you can see the smiles you can see that ah oh, i've been doing that all this time and and funny enough that that first one i did in the room with 300 people i was teaching indesign and i think it was like a beginner's guide to indesign um and like the subtitle was like don't be scared and it was like add a bit of humor to it and i i sat with scott kelby beforehand and he was like dave you're gonna smash it honestly you are gonna love this moment they're gonna love you you can't i know your content's gonna be great and i said to him what yeah what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna break the ice with a really simple a really simple tip that some people don't know and that is when you draw a text box in 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 design and you put your text in and you want to resize the box to the text you can either double click the little square at the bottom and it will snap up or you can do the corner one and it will snap in and he looked at me and went what do you mean i said well, yeah, you, you just <laughs> cl- double click and it snaps to the text. And he went, I've been using InDesign since day one and I did not know about that. And he looked at me and That's I was like, great yeah, so, <laughs> so I, I said, okay, well then the next one I'm going to tell them is going to blow their minds because when I was told it, I'm like, I was like, you are joking. This has been here since day one. And it was, you can create a text box in InDesign and it will continually in- expand in size as you type more text. So normally you type your text in, you have to keep expanding the text box and then type some more. And then you get the little red plus and you have to expand it. There's a simple setting that you can just have that text box keep expanding as you type more. And once you set it up, it just does it. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he goes... Right, two tips. You've killed me. Yeah, I've, I've no, I've absolutely no worries that you are going to absolutely crush this. And so I went up on stage and I said, I call this first tip. I'm going to show you a t- type tip. And I call this first tip um, the tip that Scott Kelby didn't know until about half an hour ago. <laughs> and, and they all laughed because they knew Scott. And I showed him it, and people in the room were like, "No." I said, and now I'm going to show you this one. And it was the expanding text box in it in design. I got a stand innovation. I got, I got a round of <laughs> You know when you're stuff. in the right room. <laughs> exactly. It was just like, not that I needed a stand innovation, but it was just Americans are so much more um, forthcoming <laughs> with, with appreciation. Oh, yeah. And it was just a really lovely moment. And it gave me all the confidence to not be scared on stage. And like someone said, you're not there to be a comedian. You're there to teach and you just sh- share the knowledge best way you can. And, and I'm always nervous. I always panic over my preparation. Even this week I've been recording for the illustrator summit for creative pro and probably recorded that class about seven times because I wanted it to be really good. Um, and you overthink it and you over worry, mm-hmm. but it's just, I love I love demonstrating the software and obviously the four years at Astute Graphics being a training manager, that was my sole job for four years. So training and teaching became a big part of my life. And and it pays well. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It it pays well. I get to travel I get to travel overseas, I get to attend events and 
uh, I, I even said to someone at Creative South, um, sometimes when I sit and go to an event and watch instructors, especially if you're thinking about moving into that environment where you do want to teach, is I don't go to classes to learn what they're teaching me. I go to classes to watch how they teach and how they relate to the audience and kind of any little tips and tricks like what works what doesn't work what do I do that's always a bit flat and like one of the things someone said was people don't need a 15 minute introduction to you they've come in that room to learn stuff so mm-hmm. walk in hi I'm Dave I'm here to teach you in design like let's get started they don't want to know about your family and well, your exactly school. it's one of the reasons so with this podcast something that I I always say to guests when they when they come on I'm not sure if I did that with with you for this but usually i say i would do introduct like a separate introduction because i want to make the most of the time yeah and um it means that when people listen to my podcast we just get straight to the point we don't need a whole backstory sometimes i do because it's part of the story and it's important but like with our conversation i went straight in with the networking stuff and people are gradually getting to know you as we speak and i think that's much more valuable than going you know rather than doing like a whole background about you because that's not what they are listening it's, to this for they it's want not an episode of this is your life <laughs> exactly <laughs> for for the americans you won't know but amen andrews didn't just walk in the room with a big red book and go hey we're going to talk about your life now i do, i mean we, <laughs> we do we do do that in the podcast i do that with guests in the podcast i want to know how they became the person they are but now yeah it's... but if, if that's the format of that particular episode that makes sense but if you you are planning to talk about a topic so in this case i'll probably call the episode something about um networking like something around friendships and networking because that's the bulk of what we spoke about and that's what we went um primarily into and i i think that's important i want to just quickly add um so we've been talking about teaching and you mentioned about how um you know, people don't necessarily care about you. They want to learn something and so on. One of the best pieces of advice that I got for creating any content, and that includes this podcast, mm. any anything else to do, people don't care about you. They care about the content that you're going to be putting out. Yeah. You're, you're almost um, like a portal through to that information. Yes. And that was understanding that has been really helpful for me because um i i'm not the most confident of people i am quite insecure about myself i have you know have been since i was a kid and uh it's very easy to put the focus on everyone's going to be worried about how i look and uh my voice and you know they're going to be very judgmental of 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 you as a as a person yeah. but actually that's not what matters. No. You can be the weirdest person, the funniest looking person. I think actually, you know, you've brought up Chris Evans earlier. I think he's a good example because uh, no TV presenter looked like him prior to him being on The Big Breakfast. You no. know, funny looking ginger guy, big glasses, weird looking guy. And he is like one of the richest people <laughs> no. in England now. And he's like a super successful like he he was successful as a TV host and then successful as a radio host. And he's had an, an incredible career. But 
I know you shouldn't go by how people look, but here's a great example of somebody where it doesn't matter how he looks. It's the content that people yeah. care about. And we do, we are hung up with stuff like that. And, and it was, it was just funny that it was Chris Evans at the time. Cause he used to be on the radio a, a long, long time ago. He was married and he had a show called round at Chris's with his missus. And it was very risque and it was funny. And I'd never knew what he looked like. And when I saw him, when he did the big breakfast, I was like, wow, like this guy's the strangest looking fella. But then I was, you know, like I'm, I'm a biggish guy. I'm not, I'm a huge guy, but I'm a biggish guy. Like I said, I was a chubby kid. I've always, I've always carried a little bit of weight. I've never been super slim and it's a hang up of mine. And if somebody mentions it, 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 I feel it because again, it goes back to why say something about what I look like. Yeah, why, yeah I, why, I get why. that because I'm I'm really thin. I always have been, and whenever somebody says, "Oh, you're so thin," <laughs> I take that as an insult. Yeah, but they it's mean like, it as a good thing because they're envious that they they you know they can't lose weight or whatever. I can't put weight on, and I, <laughs> it's just a self conscious for me, you know. And uh, it's it's funny how. Um, you know this kind of thing affects all of us but when it comes around to um being a teacher putting content out there building friendships whatever it doesn't matter nobody cares about that they care about what's coming out of your mouth and yeah and and not necessarily how it's coming out of your mouth because i know in this podcast i ramble i say things in weird (laughs) orders it's just the way that it comes out of my mouth sometimes nobody cares about that they care about the content they care about the 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 root of that you just happen to be um like a funnel that that information is coming through yeah we're a vessel we're a vessel that's a better word yeah we travel (laughs) we travel around and um yeah it's like i said about at the beginning about being in an environment around other people we we can very easily hide if we're it's really funny going to somewhere like creative south and you can go up on stage and it was really funny that there's a whole other podcast with diane about what happened Mm -hmm. but i said graphic designers are for the most part introverts and if you went into the room and said like put your hand up if you're an introvert like most people who are wouldn't but but for the for the purpose of get like getting them to do it they put the hand and you find even all the people up on stage speaking chris doe I'm an introvert. I'm I'm quiet. I'm shy. Um, but the content he creates, you wouldn't think that. You wouldn't know that mm-hmm. because there's value in what he does. But I find the design industry does have predominantly kind of more self self proclaimed introverts. Mm-hmm. But but we all have that little bit of extra. I, and the two words, I think they're they're kind of. A, the wrong kind of words to use because it's very pigeonholed you know an introvert is like this and an extrovert is like that and um it's like the optimistic pessimist i i always know it's going to go wrong and you can kind of have that middle ground where you can be introvert about some some stuff which is like your self-protection and then the extrovert is where the your the confident bits of your personality can come out and so like the networking thing is something that took me a while to build up and now it's something I really enjoy but I can still walk into a room and and not talk to anybody 
because I need a little while to gain the confidence to look around, like who can I speak to? What and if I do, like what under what the conversation could be. So I still have a little bit of doubt. But like I said, if you don't go and make those conversations, stuff won't happen. And now, you know, Nick, when I was at Astute Graphics, Nick used to joke and just say, like, is there anybody you don't know? <laughs> and I like, feel well, like that about you as well, though, because I really do feel that you know everybody and and, and everybody knows you. And, and yet, yeah, weirdly, here's something most people like if you don't know who I am and you're hearing this for the first time, you're thinking, who the hell is he? Um, I said this at Creative South. I don't have a portfolio. So if you look for me on the internet, you'll find a handful of things about me. You'll find some book cover designs. You'll see some modeling I did for my friend. I love that um, picture. That's yeah. Brilliant. Uh, the up one is my favorite one, uh, Carl from up, because that came from a from a little joke. But um, yeah, even my Behance has only got the book covers, and I've done a couple of projects for my friend. I've done his logo, and I, I did a, pro, a wartime project thing for him. But I don't have a portfolio. I don't have a dribble. I don't really have like a, a Behance full of work. I don't do any live content. You won't find me on TikTok. You won't find me on YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, Facebook Live, whatever it's called. I don't do the whole, I'm going to document my life every day in front of the camera. It's not content I create. So I feel quite weird that sometimes when I'm in this amazing opportunity, I have these amazing opportunities where I'm invited to do something and uh, and there's there's a phrase I hate, which is the imposter syndrome. Um, I don't like it and I never use it. But I get why people say it. It's because in the moment you feel like, wow, there's a 100 people more qualified than me that should be doing this. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel imposter syndrome because I think, but I've worked bloody hard to ha to get to the point where I was asked to do this. And... I don't feel like a fraud. I don't feel like, you know, there's this guy over here with a thousand logos on Dribble and, you know, 50 live broadcasts on Behance and 100,000 followers on the YouTube channel. They should be doing that. I'm like, well, it, if they were doing the right things, they would be invited to do that. So there's something about what they do that hasn't given them the possibility to be there. So when I get it, I massively appreciate it. And... I do my thing and I'll be judged on that one thing. I'm not judged on a bunch of other stuff. And, and I do get some amazing opportunities. I've got one coming up at Adobe Max that I can't mention yet, but it's, it's amazing. I, I just got a message out of the blue from someone who I massively like have so much respect for, asked me to do something. And I was like, eh! <laughs> I've got a month to like really work hard on it. And, and come up with like the best thing possible and when I deliver it it's going to be a, a, a real kind of big moment for me to to do this for this person that's come about because of the relationships and the events I've been to over a period of years that this relationship has developed that even there were a couple of people um at Adobe when I mentioned I was I knew this person to speak to they're like what you mean you go up and talk to him 
I'm like, yeah, he comes. It's up weird. I know who you're talking about as well. He come, yeah, he, and he comes up and talks. To, he comes up and talks to me, and he messages me, and he's asked me, and it's. I'll tell you off air what it is, but, um, yeah, it, it's just. I can read between the lines. Yeah, I, I know who you. You haven't spoken to me about this, but I know. I I I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> give me give me one initial of his whole name. A. No. Oh no no! I know okay. who you're. Yeah, I know who oh, you're thinking I wonder. Of. Who, I wonder who it is. No, it's someone. <laughs> so, so, you can tell me afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone like deep, deep in the in the Adobe world. Um, oh, okay, I thought you but, were talking about Draplings. I know you're no, good friends with him. I am going to be doing. <laughs> I am going to be doing something with Draplin, um at Max, but not not in the creative. Oh, way. something. Uh, okay, you need to tell yeah. me afterwards. I will. I will. <laughs> but but again. That's that's the kind of weird stuff is that um, the the relationship with Aaron is well documented. You know, I won't I won't go into it here because it, most of the interviews that I've done that are on like they're on my website. I've I've linked them on the website. There's a lot of backstory with um, astute. Gra- but, I mean, I owe, I owe astute graphics a, a, a big um, a big thank you because as, as heartbroken as I was when they had to let me go because of COVID. Um, and I'm still not over it. Oh, I'm not <laughs> it surprised. Aff- I've avoided asking you about it on this. I'll happily, <laughs> happily, happily talk about it. I, I love Nick and the team. It, it was just a set of circumstances that I think could have been and could have been overcome. But sometimes when you own a bit, I don't end. I don't envy anyone who owns a business and has people's mortgages at their. Yeah. fingertips and you know got to run a business and protect it so so i you know whilst i i get what happened i'm it broke it broke my heart it really did it's it's yeah. um, one of those things but the relationships i made through that through being part of that and the contacts i made the biggest the biggest part of the people i know in my life right now through the design industry are hugely connected to the time I spent at Astute mm-hmm. Graphics. You know, I I find it absolutely fascinating what you said here about uh you 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 said a story about, you know, there was a guy, he'd done all of he has like 200 logos in his portfolio. He's done all of these Behance lives. He's done all it's basically got a huge footprint online. But there is something different between you and him. And it, it's fascinating because it's like, what is that spark that's generating those opportunities that are are so significant? And I think it is a lot of the stuff that we've been speaking about in this uh, conversation where you are building friendships, mm. true friendships. And I think that is the most important part of networking because it's, it's easy to see networking as this slimy, horrible business type thing that you need to do yeah. where you um swap elevator pitches and all this sort of nonsense but that is not the right way to do it the 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 true way to do it is to really build those friendships and that's how all these opportunities have come about for you yeah and i think a big part of it is you know not to take anything away from people because there's a lot of people still out there that are working hard that these opportunities will come if you want them to come they'll come you you mm-hmm. just you, you're going to do work and obviously we you know we're all getting back into live events and stuff so networking is having to rebuild but i think a big part of where i am today is i'm also i'm 56 i'm not 18 i'm not 23 i'm not um a self-proclaimed 
expert at the age of 19. You know, I'm not, I'm not got that, um, kind of cockiness where I'll kind of kick a door in and, you know, be quite aggressive and arrogant. I'm of an age now where I've been around enough people for a long enough time to know how to behave and to know, mm-hmm. particularly like the relationship with Aaron was we, I think there's two photographs of us. The, the first time I met him at Adobe Max um, and I think it's three, there's three photographs, maybe four. Actually, no, it's four. So there's one at Adobe Mac. Yeah, there's one at Adobe Max when we first met. Then I got him to come to London and do an event with Adobe. And there was a picture of me, him and Tony Harmer. We went for a curry in Brick Lane in London. There's a photograph of me and him hugging in a shop in Portland where I bought him a gift, which was an album cover that was Saul Bass. And there's a photograph my friend Alan took of me and Aaron on his merch stand. Um, and that's it's four four photographs because something and I've stayed at his house as well. I get, that was a surreal moment, but I got to stay at his house with him and Lee. And I don't keep taking loads of selfies with my mates. And when I'm with Aaron, I refer to him as Aaron. I don't refer to him as Draplin because I don't like being called by my surname. Um, yeah. So I give him the respect. I mean, I know Draplin is a brand, so it's so easy to refer to him as Draplin because he refers to himself as Draplin, but I call him Aaron. And when I'm with him, we talk about stuff. We talk about all sorts of stuff. I want him to feel like he's sat with a mate. He can trust. He can talk about anything. I'm not going to go online and say, hey, I was at Aaron's and I saw this and I, yeah, he told me that. I want him to have complete trust when he's with me and be comfortable and kind of turn turn the ddc switch off for five minutes Mm -hmm. and and i'm like that with all the people i'm with is i'm not fanboying even though i have a lot of respect for a lot of people and you know when opportunities come and yeah i'd love to meet paul asher i there there are people in the industry i'd love to really meet and i'd be a little bit you know oh it's paul asher um oh yeah it's hard to be (laughs) um, lance wyman those kind of people um but I think if you show them the respect, they are just people who are good at what they do. And and I love that I can spend time with them and talk to them. And and I think that's that's what makes them feel comfortable around you. And they talk to, talk to other people about that. And it's lovely then that my age, again, is I'm not friends with them for free stuff. I've spent a ton with Aaron. I've spent a ton with Retro Supply. I spent a ton with Design Cuts. I, I'm always buying off my friends. I never assume I even have to buy from Dustin at retro supply when he's asleep to stop him giving me a <laughs> refund <laughs> and, uh, and hope it sneaks through and he doesn't see it because there's a business relationship and there's a friend friendship relationship and I'm yeah. not in it for free stuff. Whereas a lot of people would try to be friends to get free stuff and you immediately get found out because you it it stands out like a sore thumb and i appreciate when somebody gives me something but i always say to him well no let me buy it because if i buy it i'm buying it because i need it and i'm buying it because i want to use it and i'm buying it because it's going to make me money so why should you or why should rich people get stuff for free and that, and poor people have to pay for it so i'm very much like that with relationships is why should i get that for free I will pay for it because I'll use it. Because if you give it to me for free, I might not use it. And kind of what was – it lost all its value. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. digital thing sat somewhere, some, you know, 
Whereas I like to feel if I invested in my friend and I've bought their resources, then when I talk about them, I'm not, I'm not at liberty to blow smoke up their backside because they've given it to me for free. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've invested in that side, the professional side, and then the friendship side is we're friends. We can sit in a pub, we can drink a beer, yeah. and we can talk about stuff. And that comes with time, and you're not going to be friends with everybody, and not everyone's receptive to that. Some people are still cautious. They've been burnt a few times, and um, and, and I totally get that, and I'm very respectful of people's time. And, you know, when you do follow somebody around you know when you're say someone like adobe max and particularly with aaron is you watch aaron walk through a room and it's like the pied piper you know because Mm -hmm. people want to meet him and he'll stop for every single person and he'll take a photo with every single person and he'll sign every single book he must be knackered and i know he's knackered but he knows he's got to do it because it's part of what he is so when i'm with him i don't want to be selfie 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 autograph sign this oh can i have that that those people they're working really hard to to keep their persona going Mm -hmm. i don't think i could cope with that i don't think i could cope with being that having that kind of attention um so i have a different kind of persona so mine is kind of um i need to be i need to be good where i need to be good but I don't have to shout from the rooftops. It's like when I promote stuff on social media and like my wife will be, Oh, are you posting about that again? (laughs) And, and it's, it's purely because I know one of the questions you had was about marketing and, and I say it's strategic. It's I'm proud of the opportunities I've got at the moment. So I've just done Photoshop world, um, two classes online at Photoshop World, which I did live. I've just recorded a session for the Illustrator Summit, which is going to be 22nd, 23rd of September. I'm just putting a class together that I'm teaching at the photography show in two weeks. And then I've got to put together the thing for I'm doing at Adobe Max as well. You are busy. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it's, uh, I've, I can't, yeah, so marketing. Um, so I strategically put stuff on social media because I know that the people that do follow me on social media, strategically, there's an event coming up. So something like Adobe Max, where I might want to teach. I know I've got key friends in the industry that coming round to Max, um, I want them to see that. I, this is what I do because when they're thinking about instructors, I want to be in their thoughts. So I want them to see that I'm active. So I just do a post and say, you know, I've got these events coming up. I'm doing this. And then people say, Oh yeah, Dave teaches. Oh, he's doing really well. He's at those events. Oh, he'd be great for an event next year. It's, it's marketing. It's strategic. I'm, I'm a proud of what I'm doing and B I want the industry to see I'm still relative because i do worry that i'm older that it's a you know it's a young person's game now you've only got to watch content coming out of adobe to see how young that creative market is but look at all the people delivering the content that julianne cost terry white paul tranny um jason levine they're all in their 40s 50s 60s so i see it as i'm in the golden age of teaching now i can put the well you are i can put the the patches on my elbows 
Yeah, I, I think one of the key things with your journey. So we've heard, we've we haven't gone into a lot really, but one of the things that we have gone into is your teaching, and you spoke about your story. I don't think you would have been ready for that at a younger age. No. That you'd you'd built up so much experience so you know what you were doing you could speak about it comfortably um so you know you built that experience you've also developed as a person so you've gone through the whole being insecure not quite sure about yourself to um being more comfortable around people so it it took you 50 years of your life (laughs) to get to that point where okay you're now ready for this next phase where you're comfortable teaching people in a large room you're comfortable with things going wrong and not going to plan and being able to um you know just turn things around yeah. and do q and a's with the audience it's it's like you're you're not old in i mean you you are older in the industry but you've developed in a way that you've found your place if that makes sense and you wouldn't have been ready any sooner no you're right you're absolutely 100 percent right and i'm now at the point where i love my age my daughters constantly tell me that when i went to school um there were still dinosaurs but <laughs> i i'm now i'm at this weird age where i'm like i'm 56 i'm happy with it i'm i'm happy with my my life and everything that's happened but there are times I think, God, if I could take everything I know now and be 35, wow, what, you know, what I could do with the next 20 years. Whereas, you know, I'm that my next 20 years are 56 to 76. So, so I know I'm coming to the thin, thin end of the wedge, uh, in terms of what, what my, where my career is going. Um, but when I kind of see people at that great age where they're, 30 35 40 45 those kind of five-year segments and it's i mark you you know mark hirons um oh i love mark i listened to the interview that you did with him so i've i've known mark since um i think i might have been one of his very first podcast guests wow and I, i got to know him back then when he was like i don't know 16 yeah 17 and i've met up in with him in person he I I actually th- I would actually go as far as saying I actually think he's one of the most inspiring people in the entire graphic design industry. Absolutely, one hundred. I genuinely think that because he's just a very nice, relatable guy that's just interested and wants to learn, and he's not arrogant in any way. He just set this goal of what he wanted. And he went out and got it yeah. and did it. <laughs> it's like so easily. <laughs> and he's only 20. I think he's only just turning 24. And I've said to him, like, I mean, he's young enough to be my son, but I kind of feel like he, he with a younger brother because I say your you, you kind of your state of mind is how old you are, it's how you feel you are. I don't feel, mm-hmm. I don't feel uncomfortable being a 56 year old man chatting to a, a 19 year old lad (laughs) and kind of wanting to help him because he is inspirational and and i said to him you you're kind you're at the beginning of this amazing journey and you can decide you can map out what you're going to do you've got all the software at your fingertips you've got social media at your fingertips you've got communication you've got travel you've got everything i never had when I was your age, when I was your age, Mark, I just got my first color 
I think it was a Toshiba computer with two megabyte of memory storage or whatever. And all I could do was look at parts list of photocopiers on it. And, and I, kind of the first time I'd seen the first Mac, the first time I'd seen a version of Quark Express. And there was no, there was never even a thought that I could go self-employed doing a, being a graphic designer. It was, un, it was unheard of. Whereas now you can leave school at 16 build a massive um, social presence online and be a millionaire by the time you're 20. I mean, if you oh, put yeah, in effort, definitely. it's crazy. Definitely. So, but think long-term. Like it, I know everyone wants instant gratification and everything's got to be done now, but trust me, 12 years when I get asked, oh, you know, oh, you're speaking at Adobe Max or you've done this at Photoshop World. How, can you get me that gig? Can you put me in touch? I want to do that. Like, how did you get that? I'm like, well, for that particular gig, I did six years of going to their event, paying for membership of their online thing for eight years, um, networking, communicating, attending classes, and like list off all this stuff. And then one day, uh, I did, I did or said the right thing, and I got invited. That's what. That's that's six years of hard work building a relationship here that developed a relationship there that ended up me having the opportunity to be this thing over here. So one of the things I talked about creative South is you said about we're off air. We were talking about journaling and I talk about the breadcrumb trail. And I said, for me, I'm a very retrospective person. I, I, I think heavily a lot about what's happened in the past that builds my future. So I look back and do the breadcrumb trail. Like, how did I get to speak at Adobe Max? Well, it was because I developed a relationship with a person who was heavily involved in picking instructors for Adobe Max that I met at Photoshop World that I'd been to for five years and kind of for the first three or four years, nobody even knew I was a graphic designer. There was, I was just Dave, the nice bloke that turned up um, <laughs> and hanging and being around those people. I earned a lot of respect from them and they wanted to give me the opportunity. And apparently a conversation was had from a, from a Scott's PA at the time was talking to this person about me wanting to go to Adobe Max and not being able to afford it. And she made it happen. And she got me a gig as a TA. I went along I met Astute Graphics. I developed relationships I'd built at Photoshop World at Adobe Max and strengthened them. And that's how that thing happened. It was because I went to a I went to a mixer thing at an event and got into a conversation. So mm-hmm. I didn't just get asked to do Adobe Max. I had to do, you know, a good few years of of, of putting in some groundwork and planting seeds. And mm-hmm. now I've got that opportunity. I make sure that I'm respectful in my email responses. Uh, you know, if I'm asked to do something, I do it on time. Um, I give, you know, as much added value as I can to to help. And now it's nice to know that when I do get an opportunity to do something, um, I've earned it, but at the same time, I don't take it for granted because it could go mm-hmm. away tomorrow. And mm-hmm. I've only got to be the arsehole at, at, if I can swear on this, I've only got to be. Yeah, you can. Got to, we, we already had through this, so it's too late. I've only got to be. I've only got to be like uh, an asshole at an event, and that 
can very quickly come crumbling down because it's yeah. it's very easy to destroy something you've built years creating. Oh yeah, just look at Will Smith. Yeah, <laughs> you only got to slap someone. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I I I absolutely love the whole reverse engineering stuff. Yeah, and uh, you've called it like breadcrumb trail. Because there's a really good book that I'm always talking about on this podcast called The um, One Thing. Okay, and it's basically it talks about this where you work out this long-term vision and then reverse engineer it and i i I went to a talk um what was the event called it it was an event where there was steve wozniak yeah and i went there because i wanted to meet steve wozniak and i did and i got a picture with him and it was brilliant (laughs) but um i was there for the whole day and i ended up going to this talk and there was this um guy that spoke there that was really energetic and he spoke about this story of um when he was younger um i mean i'm probably going to completely butcher his story but (laughs) how i vaguely remember it when he was younger he decided that he wanted to be like a record producer or something like that and his sister said you can't do that so he's like you know made it his mission just to prove that he's going to do that i I think like he he said he was going to be friends with out and john or something like that yeah and um, so he decided to sit down and work out how could he do that. And then he, so he took the eventual scenario and basically thought, okay, so in order to meet Elton John, he would need to be at an Elton John concert or yeah. something like this, or to be like the manager of him or something yeah. like that. And he reversed this back all the way back to where he is now and just went through that list of things. And then one day he got to the point where he could call his sister and say, look who I got on the phone for you, <laughs> <laughs> just so that he could do this. But the story is great. And and I absolutely love this type of thing because um, I always use the concept of walking up a mountain, that if you keep walking one step every day in a straight line to the top of the mountain, mm just these actionable things yes you will reach the top of that mountain yeah it's not it's not about chances it's not about luck no. it's not about anything like that you're going to get there whether people like it or not because you've walked in a straight line yeah you only won't get there if you keep steering off track yeah or keep looking at the shiny pennies yeah um <laughs> so you know here's here's thing about okay he's going to meet out and john and just reverse engineering it becomes actual physical steps that you can just run through and you will reach that thing yes it might take you 20 years but you know if you realize that okay you need to be living in this area you need to be learning this you need to have these skills yeah you need to be working this in this profession all that sort of stuff then you can do anything if you want to be you know president of the united states of america you could probably reverse engineer how to do that yeah and one of the first things would be to actually live in america as a starting exactly point. <laughs> one of my friends said um it's a really good bit of advice and and he took it from someone else and it was success leaves clues so mm-hmm. that's the whole thing reverse it's a perfect way of doing it reverse engineering is it's the same story over yeah. and over and over again like mark hirons who we spoke about he did the exact thing he worked out that he wanted to work for his favorite football club 
as a graphic designer and he did that in a very short period of time because he basically uh, re- reverse engineered it yeah that's a mega thunderstorm here really <laughs> yeah like i keep getting flashing lights and i just heard a boom oh. and i'm thinking Am I, is my power gonna cut out <laughs> oh it'll cut it'll be here soon but yeah it's, it's a great way of like sometimes just sit down and think about write down write down five things that you would consider to be a success in your life in what you do in design or, or whatever um like what are the top five achievements or things even even if it's just a friendship or a moment mm-hmm. and like you say reverse engineer it how did you get to be at that moment who were the key who were the influential people or moments or serendipity moments that got you to that path because i draw i i said it's my my career would be like one of those um crime thrillers where the psychopath is in the room and they go in his room and he's got all these pictures on the wall and the red uh wire like the pins and the red the red f- fiber going from one to that <laughs> and this connects that and this connects that and i feel sometimes that if i could map if i mapped out things that i'm proud of my successes I mm-hmm. that's how it would plan out. It would be this went to that, went to that, and to that. So reverse engineering it was like I never thought I was going to write a book. All my friends have written books. I never thought I'd write a book. The reason I ended up writing a book was because I met, met Scott Kelby, who's a massive author. I I bought his books. I loved his books. I went to a Photoshop world and. One night something happened. I went to a, a, like a mixer that was being hosted by Peach Pit, which at the time was Scott's author. And I knew one of the guys who worked for Peach Pit was English. Never met him before. Went along, met him, Damon. We got chatting. He introduced me to Scott and Ted, who were the kind of marketing guys. And they had a big affinity for English things anyway. So we got on really well. And over time you know we were chatting they started to learn what i did and then i scott bought out a series of books and i just said to them can you encourage because they went to a new author called rocky nook um because peach pit shut down their whole marketing department and and i'd be friends with them and again it was never in my brain to write a book and i used to say to them oh scott does this book called how do i do that in photoshop and how do i do that in lightroom can you get him to do how do i do that in indesign because that would be such a good book it's a single page recipe book how do i do that you go to that section in the book it's there on one page it tells you exactly what to do you can put the book down you don't have to read it from start to finish and i said i love that book i love his photoshop version of that book um and they cut we'd kind of joke about it and uh, and then one day i i mocked up the cover and like how do i do that in indesign scott kelby and i think scott kelby and terry white i think it was and sent it to them and they had a meeting with scott and said oh you know that have you thought about expanding the series dave's been asking about whether you think about doing this because you used to do an indesign book with terry and scott was like i've not really got time for that because i'm writing these other two books for you but i do like the idea of doing it have you asked dave and they were like well no and scott was why not because dave teaches this stuff if he knows what he wants the book to be ask him (laughs) so they came back to me and said we've spoken to scott he's agreed on the book so we will do it and i was like fantastic and they said but he wants you to write it 
And I was like, no. Amazing. <laughs> so, but again, it was one of those when you're asked to speak at an event, it's like, well, wh- why would I say no at this opportunity? I've never written a book before. It took me a year to write it because obviously I was working, got the kids, mm-hmm. um, and it took me a long time. And we eventually did it and it got, you know, proofread and checked. And, and I, I was, uh, the whole time I kept thinking, this, this is, this is not going to turn into a book. I'm going to put all this effort in. This is not going to turn into a book. And then when it eventually did, I, I kind of got goosebumps because when I saw the first copy of it, when I saw the, the, the layout prints that of this thing was going into production, it didn't really sink in that this book was going to be available worldwide. So when it finally came out and they sent me a box of copies, I felt like I'm going to be J.R. Hartley one day. <laughs> Hello, do you have a fly fishing? Oh, my name, Dave Clayton. And um, and the book came out at the end of 2019 in America. Um, and then it was being released in the UK. And I was so, like Scott was so excited, but he did the forward for me and, and, and and I'm the only author that's written a book for Scott Kelby in any of his series other than Scott. So again, there was like added pressure. The book came out just after Christmas, beginning of the year and starting to come into bookshops around February. And guess what happened? <laughs> Pandemic hit, all the bookshop closed, returned every edition of every book oh, everywhere in the whole God. wide world. So Failure. Yeah, but... I bet you felt like it was a failure anyway. No, because what happened <laughs> okay. was it still sold 2,700 copies, I think, wow. worldwide. Um, I've made some money from it. I've, that's a lot for book sales, by the way, for anyone listening. Yeah, that, that's, that's a lot for a, successful. for an InDesign book, <laughs> which is a very niche subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pleased. I published a book that I never thought I would do. I'm really proud of it. Um, people around the world have bought it. It's been published in Polish. It's been published in Spanish. Um, it, it's available on Kindle as well. And mm-hmm. I've got work from it. It gave me so much gravitas to what i do that now i can say i'm a graphic designer an instructor and an author that i know that i've got some of the work i've got on the back of the book because it, it's mm-hmm. brought an extra layer of um kind of it's another thing i can i'm proud of doing to say that i've had a book published but it does help so being able to say that is again another one of those things that it only happened because a bunch of things happened. So oh, it's a series, series of events. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the domino effect that, you know, if you, if you hadn't learned graphic design, then you wouldn't be able to speak about graphic design. Exactly. If you didn't speak about graphic design, the opportunities for this and, and it, I still think it all goes back to what I said, that your, um, your superpower is, is building friendships like real true friendships and that's been the the most substantial thing in all of this yeah and if if you didn't have that superpower you wouldn't have got any of these opportunities i don't think no and so, and it still feels weird someone praising that because it's <laughs> so typically english of us to be like oh thank you but i don't yeah um but it is it's true it is it is, it is nice it is i'm proud of it my, i know my dad was proud of it and uh it's nice its origins as well and it's nice yeah that you are able to um pass on that skill so you know that that's a part of who you are and you're able to pass it on to a whole generation of people thanks to uh platforms like podcasts yeah 
and all this. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, (laughs) I learned, you know, I learned a lot from podcasts. I love doing the podcast. I'm sure like you, you get to speak to people that wouldn't have normally spoken to you if it hadn't been a podcast. Yeah. I had a conversation with Tom Tom Geismar for an hour. Yeah. (laughs) I never thought that would happen in my life. And that was, uh, um, yeah, just, it doesn't feel real <laughs> no it's like thank you know thank goodness i've got this opportunity and mm-hmm. you know the podcast has helped and developed friendships and so the book has mm-hmm. and teaching and and the friendships i've got and I, I i honestly don't know i honestly don't know what's going to come in the next four years between you know i turned 57 this year in a couple of months um i'm heading full on into 60 i don't feel it um I've got a plan, you know, I do kind of complain a little bit more. So I've still got a full-time job. Uh, it's amazing, actually, people think that I can go freelance. And, I, and I've and i said, I don't, th- I think that's kind of the downside of um, my lack of online presence is I've not developed enough of a, I don't know what the word is. I've not developed enough content. So when I look at someone like Tony Harmer, who's a really good friend of mine, Tony's content is out there and solid. And Tony, you know, that's his business, but he also gets asked to speak at events. He worked for Adobe for years. He's got a solid background of content. And whereas I don't have that. So I can't use that to go full time to do you mean as a graphic designer? As a graphic designer, so I've st- I stepped away from being a full from being a graphic designer and marketing, which was to to mm-hmm. the strengths I had. So I barely do any graphic design for clients or people anymore. But but you could be a freelance uh, tutorial. It's an option, um, creator, yeah. or a coach, or like there's there's other opportunities out there that you could probably access very easily just from your existing network. Yeah, I don't think you need an online presence because an online presence just allows you, to, uh, other people that you don't know to get to know you. Um, and also where people that you do already know, are just, just reminding them that, that you're there. But yeah, you know, when you're building relationships actively like you are, then that's the people that, you will get work from yeah and i'm reverse engineering the p- prospect of of teaching of teaching in that way so i know i know there's an, an adobe qualification i've got to get there's a teaching qualification qualification i've got to earn before i can get the adobe qualification but when i've got those it means i can then look at like i learned um i credited jo- uh, john um besson in my book because I wanted to thank all the people that were a big part of of me getting to where I was. And John's at Certitech, and I went to my first InDesign class at Certitech, so I wanted to see what I didn't know. And I learned so much from John that I actually loved the experience of of the way he taught me because he had a room of six people with different kinds of, you know, coming at it from a different experience. But the way he handled all six people... I started to realize, actually, that's what I want to do. I, oh, yeah. I want to help this beginners. Is, this is what I see you doing, not doing graphic design. That's that's not who you are and where you are with things. Doing freelance for you is something different to what yeah. freelance as a graphic designer is for um, 
uh you know some like a, a younger version yeah yeah so that's that's kind of my plan is to look mm-hmm. at the look at that option in the future not that i want not that i want Do my current employee anyone my current employee to, <laughs> to listen to this but i think they know i mean they they see i know i know all the people high up at the company i work for follow me on linkedin and they see all the stuff i post on linkedin and um yeah it's it's quite kind of weird when i'm in the office you know designing a a blank box for a set of cutlery um and then Mm -hmm. like two days later i'm going to be in los angeles teaching at adobe you know teaching something at Mm -hmm. adobe max it's a very weird i see you more as that than sitting down on a computer working on whatever logos stuff yeah yeah i love it i just it's not a thing i've uh, hung my hat on same as like youtube content my friend my mm-hmm. best best friend glenn um glenn jewish and alan hess who the two guys do the podcast with glenn's built a phenomenal email list very strong email list a great youtube content he also teaches that's his job so he needs to do all that he needs to maintain that mm-hmm. whereas you're right i don't really want to be sat creating loads of online content i want to be amongst people face to face passing on the knowledge helping them not just not just learn indesign but also pass on some of this stuff we've spoken about yeah you know, get to know them find out what you know what opportunities they could get by trying something um yeah. I, I, mate like just being on your podcast is a huge kick for me because <laughs> like logo geek is is so well respected in the industry that this was this was not a podcast I felt I was at a level to be a guest on yet. So I oh, really, oh, yeah, yeah. No, so I wanted to have you on for for a long time, and uh, you know when you reached out to me, it's like we need yeah. to make this happen. And you know, it's been really great to actually properly spend yeah. time chatting because we haven't no. done this in ages. And so you know, it's been nice. And you're going to be a guest but... on He Shoots, He Draws as well. So we've got we've got yeah, we've got a part two to, to this where I can <laughs> I probe you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's probably a good point to wrap this up. It's, yeah, um, yeah, we've been speaking for about an hour and a half, which is uh, it's a bit longer than than what I normally do. But I think a lot of the stuff that we've spoken about is it's just, I, and I know that this podcast is primarily about logo design, but as we've stressed through this, I really do think in order to be successful in your career, whether you work as a freelancer or whether you work as, um, you know, for a company, building relationships with other people and people normally use the term networking. Mm. Building friendships is one of the most important things of your life, not just personally, but, but as a graphic designer too. You know, yeah. building relationships will bring you clients. It will bring you, um, you know, those opportunities that you mentioned, like teaching and writing a book and all this sort of stuff. All of these amazing things yeah. happen in your life because of friendships and relationships with other people. And it is a it's a wonderful industry. You know, I'm grateful that mm-hmm. I I'm grateful that I get to do graphic design and not be working on the motorway at 2 a.m in the morning digging holes for lampposts yeah so like as aaron says you know we get to sit at a, sit in a chair and use our pointy finger and click a mouse and, oh, and we yeah, make so. and we make and we make a, <laughs> it's not always easy no. <laughs> but yeah it's a big difference between some of the jobs out there yeah. you know some people are you know literally 
damaging their body doing the work that they're exactly. doing. Exactly. So so be great be grateful we're in this industry and that's that's <laughs> Absolutely. where the friendship thing will come in. It will protect you. It will help you. It's it's sometimes an insurance policy, and and you get and then you get to be invited on cool podcasts like this, which like this means one. a lot. And me on your one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure to properly chat with you. I keep thinking I'm going to get a power cut no. with flashes <laughs> coming through my window, um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure to chat with you, and I hope that listeners have also enjoyed this too. So thanks again for and coming you on, too, mate. No, thank you. If you want to follow Dave, I've added links to all of his social profiles in the show notes for this episode, which you can find by heading to logageek.uk forward slash one four six. There you'll also find a link to his book and also his podcast, He Shoots, He Draws. Dave's a great guy, so make sure after this, if you've enjoyed this interview, go and send him a message and say hi and uh, be his friend too. And before I end this interview, don't forget to take 30 minutes out of your day to create a mood board design for the perfect match to get your $50 gift voucher and for a chance to win $1,000. So to learn more about that and to enter, visit theperfectmatch.co forward slash play. So thank you so much for listening and I'll be back the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast.